0: Welcome to Radio B and R, a podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Radio B and R, keeping Tennessee Baptists informed about the issues impacting their lives and churches.
1: Hi, and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, and today I'm speaking with Bert Spann, the pastor at First Baptist Hohenwall, Tennessee. Bert, thanks for the opportunity to talk with you.
2: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, your church has been quite busy this year and had quite an interesting year. Just talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen God doing in and through your congregation.
2: All right. It kind of started at the very end of last year where there was an influx of, of what Jesus would call the harvest. Um, our church has been working uh, with clients from Buffalo Valley Rehabilitation Center. It's a, it's, it's a rehab center for addicts. And ever since I've been here uh, the past five years, uh, we've had clients come and be a part of the Sunday services. And and so it's been an exciting uh, part of having them here, but we've not really seen a whole lot of evangelistic fruit until the end of last year. Uh, we had a, 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 a gentleman give his life to Christ, and whenever he did, everything just busted loose. Uh, this gentleman's name is Brian, and and when Brian came to know Christ... Uh, the lights went on with him, but it was as though the Lord turned the lights on down at Buffalo Valley. Everybody he came in contact with, he wanted them to hear about Jesus and what they, what he could do in their life. And so that kind of started, uh, the ball rolling in the gospel, actually just penetrating the darkness down there. And, and so, uh, since the end of last year, I would say uh th- there has there has hardly been a week where we've not been baptizing folks because because the harvest is coming in.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting to be here this afternoon and to be shooting some video for the video that uh, we plan to show at the summit in November of 2018 and just what God's been doing uh through just that ministry and i think as much as as the harvest that you all have seen reaped from from that it's what you all have sown that i think is really a critical part of it you guys have obviously invested a lot of effort in in just sharing the gospel uh, obviously uh, that's the thing where the harvest comes from is you guys are sowing gospel seeds just talk a little bit about this the the way that that whole thing has caught fire in, uh, in your church.
2: Okay. If I may, I need to go back a little bit further than five years. Whenever I was in the interview process with this church, being First Baptist Church county seat, okay? Hoenn was the county seat for Lewis County. Being the county seat, First Baptist Church, there has been a culture here where People dress up nice, they get in their their Sunday best, and they come to church. And, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but there was a culture here where those who don't have their best felt like they couldn't come here. Mm. And whenever I was in the interview process— one of the things that the committee said was, listen, we don't need you to come in and always wear a, a shiny suit. That's not who Hohenwald is. We have a very poor economic base here. There's no industry, so to speak, to draw folks in. And so what you hear, have here it is a blue-collar base. And First Baptist Church, historically, was more of a white-collar feel. Wow. And so whenever I I interviewed here, they said, listen, there's times where you just need to wear jeans and and you you need to help set the culture for we're going to reach people of Hohenwald in Lewis County, not just those who are like us.
1: Yeah, so just really kind of change that whole vibe of the church.
2: They wanted the culture change to say, listen, it doesn't matter what you have or where you've come from, the Jesus we worship is the Jesus that's offered to you
1: also. So there was this feeling of inaccessibility at First Baptist. Absolutely. And they really wanted to see that being more of a, we're a church open for everyone.
2: And I've even heard it here myself, uh, especially in the early years, people say, oh, oh that's that big church downtown. I, I can't go there because I don't have nice enough clothes. Yeah. Well, It's not about how you dress to come here, but at the same time, If you're lost and on the outside, you don't know that that culture's changed. And so it takes a real heart change here, not just clothes change, but a heart change to say, we're ready to go out there and reach folks where we're at.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in the course of shooting this video, uh, talking with um, Tommy Hart, who's one of your uh, laymen who's really heavily involved in evangelism and then just hearing him talk about some of the other men that are involved now. But that really started with really discovering that some of these guys had been believers for decades and had never shared their faith or seen anybody come to Christ. Just talk about a little bit about the the culture change that's taken place in in those guys specifically, but it sounds like across the church— there seems to be this, this momentum about just evangelism and, and laymen catching a vision for sharing the gospel, which we're actually all called to do.
2: Well, I, I, I'll just be honest. My heart's passion is to build disciples. That was Matthew 28. Jesus's commission was to build disciples, turn people into what Jesus turned his men into. You can do evangelism. And never disciple somebody. Yeah. But you cannot disciple somebody and miss evangelism. That's good. And so evangelism <laughs> is part of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so it's not an either or where you're stuck in the classroom teaching or you're trying to force curriculum down somebody's throat. It's a matter of taking these guys in the church and saying, Come with me, let me show you how this is done, mm-hmm. so that's really been the culture here at our church is come with me, and let me show you how it's done. You mentioned Tommy, uh, he was our youth minister when I first came here. Mm-hmm. It was nothing for Tommy to be seen with with groups of of kids or or some kids and going to to a parent of one of the kids and, and sharing Christ with them yeah. and so that culture has been here of come with me. And let me show you what it looks like to share faith.
1: You know, and you know, we we talk about one of our big emphasis emphases that we have in Tennessee is is win Tennessee, uh, with you know really that being the the term that if we want to see the spiritual climate in Tennessee shift, because right now statistically about sixty percent of people that live in Tennessee have no relationship with Christ. And if we want to see that shift, we talk at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board about the five objectives. And the first of that five objectives, seeing at least 50,000 people a year come to Christ, save, baptize, and set on the road of discipleship. Well, as Randy talks about, that, that, that 50,000 is not an arbitrary number. That's the minimum to keep up with the population growth in Tennessee to not see Tennessee slide even more into a position of being more spiritually lost, and so um, it's obvious that the pastors in our state are not going to keep pace with the population growth if if evangelism falls directly on them. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about you know the importance of uh, that being a disciple. You can't you can't not be an evangelist what are what are some things that you know we really need to look at across our state just from a pastoral perspective or a church perspective to to see a shift where people are are catching that that aspect of their discipleship
2: if I may illustrate uh this past summer, I planted a garden um we live in a neighborhood so it was a tiny garden we had tomatoes. And squash and cucumbers, I got lots of tomatoes. I got no squash and cucumbers <laughs> because in the particular bed that I was growing the squash and so forth, I didn't tend it. Mm. I, I didn't take care of the bugs. With the tomatoes, I would cut the suckers off. I'd with the squash, I just let it go. Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing, if I'm gut honest with you, it was just laziness. Yeah. If, if a farmer cultivates the soil, keeps an eye on mm. the pest, he does not make the garden grow. He simply gives the garden its best shot to be healthy. Mm. And then God makes it grow.
1: Something biblical about what you're saying there. I think I've heard that kind of thing before.
2: I'm telling you, it is not my responsibility to make the church grow. Mm. It is not my responsibility to save people. Mm. It is my responsibility as a pastor to create the most healthy culture possible, and Jesus in us will see the lost saved. Now, the problem that we have in our our church gardens, those bugs and disease and so forth, one is laziness. That is absolutely killing us. Mm. We are lazy when it comes to the things that the Lord has told us to do, Mm -hmm. and or we are busy in the areas that he has said avoid. And so we've got our priorities all messed up. But if I may be... So bold as to say, many of us pastors, and I'm putting myself in this, we have a serious pride issue. Mm. And if you want to see a pastor's pride, go to places where pastors hang out. We nominate people for certain positions because we say, hey, this guy baptized so many people Mm. this year. Guess what? That pastor, he may have baptized that many people, but he did not do all the work. Yeah. He did not lead all those people to Christ. He is not discipling all those people. Yet the pastor oftentimes wants the credit. And that's going to leave you with a discouraged workforce. Mm Mm-hmm. I would liken it to say, imagine if you did all the work, but then your boss came and took your paycheck at the end of the week. That would get old uh, at quick. some point. <laughs> you would eventually say, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm going to leave this company and go somewhere else. Yeah. You want to know why churches are, are are having a problem with people not staying in one place? It's because they're not deeply satisfied because oftentimes the pastor's pride is stealing their check. Wow. We are leaving the work to one man or a group of people who are your spiritual elite. Yeah. We as pastors are called Ephesians 4 to, to invest in our church. We are to make catartismans. Our job is to make absolute craftsmen out of the body of Christ it's my job to equip them to do the work of ministry yeah.
1: what what so if you're a pastor and you, you kind of see yourself and uh, kind of have gone down that road and it may just be that you've you know it's migrated that direction and you look around and you just see that your church is not nearly as involved what, what are, what's maybe one or two things I mean you you came into this situation and you had a vision for really developing that kind of a church where the where the the work, the discipleship work was that you invested in them and then you wanted to see them rise up, and they have. What's one or two things that maybe a a pastor can do to kind of make that transition to get back to?
2: Whenever I uh, came here uh, in the interview process, they knew that disciple-making was my passion. Uh, We've got a church of 200-ish. I'm not saying that. For any any reason other than it's just fact, that is about how many we run, did then. Um, whenever I came, I said, listen, I know some of you want to be discipled. If you want this, I will give you everything I have. But you have to do what I'm calling you to do. Yeah. And if you stick with me, you will not recognize yourself in five years. Wow. I promise if you'll give me five years, you won't recognize your old self. Wow. Now, if a pastor wants his church to change, open it up so that your life becomes completely transparent for everybody who says, yes, I want to follow. Yeah. They watch you share your faith. They watch how you're a husband. They watch how you're a father. You you teach them in private moments or small groups, and, and as the shepherd, if I'm going to give myself to that kind of experience, then I have to do it on their schedule. So, mm. yeah, my day starts at four in the morning because there are some groups that I have to meet with starting at 530 because these guys have to go t- to yeah. work. Yeah. So if you want to see the culture change in your church, the pastor has to become vulnerable Yeah. and say, I'm going to give you everything I am. Your responsibility is to follow me. Well,
1: that's what Jesus did. Okay, so you're making that investment. The four o'clock mornings. You're five years down the road. What, what is the the joy? What is the now you've you've cultivated the garden? Where do you see your joy coming from now that you you've you've cultivated for five years?
2: Paul writes in First Thessalonians not right, you, my joy, and my crown. If you look at the original text, the word you is the major emphasis there. You are my joy. I look around, and I honestly think the Lord could take me off the scene right now, mm. and everything that he has called me to do, I would be deeply satisfied that it's done. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not asking the Lord for trouble. I'm not asking to be (laughs) removed. I'm not asking to move. I'm just saying he has given me the opportunity to invest everything I am here. And I look at those who took that challenge. I look at those who I've invested into. And they could perpetuate this long after I'm gone. Yeah. And they're even able, as you mentioned Tommy Hart a while ago, He's investing into a group of guys on Sunday nights who they now are doing this. Yeah. He's taught them how to share their faith. They're going out into the communities. I'm not even in that group. They're doing what what I have encouraged and empowered him to do. Yeah. Go for it, man. And so now I've got children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in the faith. And that's what investment is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when you when you look at, at just kind of that mobilization of the you know, the, the kingdom workforce that's in in your pews, um, what what is one or two things that you might share? I, I think that we have a lot of people in our churches that have been told, you know, for years and years, you need to evangelize, you need to evangelize and, and they know they need to, and they a lot of them feel bad for not doing it, but there's a there's a hurdle there Maybe they don't know how to share the faith. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're introverted. I mean, you know, there's a number of reasons. What is what is what is a first step you would recommend as a pastor for somebody who who knows they need to do it? They just they they can't get like they don't know really where to start. What how do how do we get somebody mm-hmm. to move that first step?
2: First step, go to Walmart. Just go to Walmart, go to the county fair, not trying to be mean, but go where you can find the oddest people you can possibly come across. (laughs) Yeah. And ask God, I'm being serious, go to Walmart, go to the county fair, go wherever, ask God, would you please give me a love for them rather than the eyes of belittling them? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you'll see some real freaks at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. When is the last time we've gone to Walmart and instead of snickering at what they're wearing or saying, hey, look right over there. No, no, no. I didn't mean stare. I mean, when's the last time we said, God, Mm. you paid full price for that person. Wow. And I am so sorry for the way I have thought about them in the past. Mm. Love is something you can't teach. It's got to be caught. Yeah, And it's going to start, talking about when in Tennessee, it's not going to start until we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. It, it just won't happen. I don't care how slick our evangelistic approach is. People can tell if you don't love them. Yeah. When is the last time you love somebody, no matter what they look like, no matter how bad they stink, no matter how filthy their sins are? I don't mean were, I mean are, and say, I'm going to do everything I can to give them Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that's one of the things that we were talking about, you know, before we started doing some video interviewing was just that really this church in particular catching that vision of loving God and loving people. And it really does come down to, you know, what you said. And, you know, when Jesus was asked, uh, so what's the greatest commandment? And we talked about loving God and loving people, love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the two really are, Opposite sides of the same coin. You can't love God if you don't love people, and if you don't love God, it's hard to love people. And so, to to get those two things in that right order, it really sounds like that is is a, a, really a transition that we need to really make as as Tennessee Baptists.
2: Tennessee has some real weirdos. Uh, I'm I'm just. I'm just being honest. I grew up in Arkansas. I've lived in Michigan. I've lived in Tennessee. Arkansas, Michigan, Tennessee. We all have weirdos. Yeah. We all have those odd ones. And then I look at me. And most times I judge others by me, but but I'm not the standard. Mm. Jesus is and his holiness is. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter that I grew up in a Christian home and that that I didn't come from the background of these addicts. I'm just as filthy. Mm-hmm. And, and as I've told a lot of these guys that we work with from Buffalo Valley, and I, I also go to the jail on Fridays, I say, guys, the only difference between me and you is you got caught. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, there's things that I have done that that if the police had been at the right place at the right time, I, I, I'd have been on the other side of that jail cell. Or if you looked at my heart and you read Matthew 5 and 6, mm. I'm just as guilty. Or w- w- what if... There was a new law that said gluttony is a five year felony, mm. 10 year felony. W- what if bitterness w- would get you a 15 year sentence? Wow, man! I'm telling you, the reason the only difference between me and you is they've got laws against what you're yeah. guilty of, w- what your addiction is, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: They just hadn't slapped those laws on me yet. We're all in the same boat, man. We are all messed up. Yeah. And until you, until you see people as co-equals in, in this fouled-up world, and, and 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 not, oh look how bad they are compared to me. Um, we're not going to see Tennessee won, man, except for the grace of God. Mm. We would be right where they are at.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, as you you talk about that, I I do think sometimes the longer we uh, continue on in our Christian life, we become a little bit detached from remembering what it was like to be spiritually desperate and asking the Lord to, to help us remember uh what it was like to be in that person's situation and remember it wasn't us that saved ourselves but it was God who saved us and and a, we might have been the cleanest sinner out there, but we're still sinner. And and everybody is in need of the same salvation regardless of where you are. And you know, you guys are doing a great work here with with uh, these guys that are experiencing uh addiction. But I think, you know, you've hit on it and a couple of the other guys that we interviewed have hit on it as well in that, um, uh, you know, without without there being some spiritual intervention, everybody's experiencing that same uh, lack of hope. I mean, and, and just talking with Brian, one of the guys that, you know, uh, came out of you know heroin addiction and. Um, just the 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 joy and the lightness and the light that is in him as a result of having encountered christ uh it's it's contagious, and so you know I just look at at that and think, man, you guys are getting to see that every week, and I really do hope the same thing for churches across our state that they'll get to experience the those baptismal waters being stirred as a symbol of just the regeneration of life. Um as we kind of wrap this up uh, you know as as you kind of look out there and just kind of see um, you know Hohenwald what is your vision for this community
2: My vision for this community is is what I've prayed ever since I I started ministry my prayer when I first started ministry was lord I want whatever church You send me to, to be the place where you train special forces believers. Mm. I want you to bring people here so that they are thoroughly equipped to send them out there to the tough places. So my, my vision for this community is this becomes a place where God sends people, much like Brian, in his lostness sees him come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, gets equipped, and will continue to be sent out. I Mm -hmm. don't know if that's long-term or short-term, but I want the Lord to say, where could I send people so that they're thoroughly equipped for wherever I'm going to drop them off? Oh, yeah, Hohenwald is where they need to go. Mm -hmm. So this becomes the recruiting grounds, the training grounds,
1: for world impact. That's awesome. And just looking down the hall, I mean, you guys are obviously doing mission work around the world. So it's not that you're just focused here. You guys really do have a global focus. And it sounds like some, from talking to some of your guys, that they really have caught a vision for a global impact. And, you know, the Lord doesn't really need uh, a whole lot of anybody's resources to accomplish his work. What he needs is willing hearts. So uh, you guys are obviously uh, in that. Well, man, I really appreciate just some time uh, to be here today and to be able to, you know, work on the other project that we're working on, but to talk to you. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank
2: you very much. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to Radio B R a podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.